I studied theology at university, never was going to do that. I looked at speech and language therapy, business, business and geography, English, at one point Spanish. Um, and when I was younger and I went to church, I often had people say to me, Daisy, one day you will be a preacher. One day you'll be working for the church. And despite all of that, I eventually came back to theology because I never thought that I would, was quite good enough. I doubted my own ability and whether that was God's calling on my life. Two years into my undergrad, and I thought, I can't be a minister. I had doubts again. I thought, God's not really calling me to do this. I'm not well equipped to lead other people or to speak in front of them. So I went halfway and I thought, I'll look for a Christian charity job. That will do it. So I was applying for loads of jobs and I wasn't getting anywhere. And one night, pillow soaked with tears because I kept getting rejection after rejection. No one wanted me. I cried out to God and I said, please, God, all I want are three things. A job where I work with like-minded people, where I do good, and I work for a Christian charity. And here I am today. I'm preaching. I work at Spear as one of their coaches. And I never would have thought that any of this would have been possible. But despite my doubt, that didn't put God off. And that didn't stop him from seeing me as worthy or able to do these things either. Even though I doubted myself, God didn't doubt me and he didn't give up on me. And we all have doubts, I'm sure, whether it's about ourselves and our worth, our calling, our ability, the world and the people in it, or our environment, the weather, whether a car might start, or even faith itself. And Doubting Thomas is a nickname that you might give to somebody, I'm sure we've all heard of it before, who is a bit skeptical. I don't really have that much belief. But what I find interesting is that earlier on in the passage of John, which is where we get Doubting Thomas from, in verse um, chapter 14, at the Passover meal, it's actually Thomas who says to Jesus, how can we know where you are going if we do not know the way? So I would say that Thomas is quite logical. I might call him inquisitive Thomas, intelligent Thomas, thinking Thomas. In the Synoptic Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, called the Synoptic Gospels because they share a lot of material that's quite similar, and there's a lot of crossover in the parables or sayings of Jesus, we get this account that Thomas isn't attributed um, to the doubt. In Luke, it says, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your mind? In Matthew, it says, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And in Mark, when they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe. I know I often feel really conflicted for doubting as a Christian, like, I've got faith, I believe in Jesus, and actually I shouldn't really be doubting at all. But the fact that doubt is mentioned in every single gospel account shows us that it's real. It's an everyday human experience. Even the disciples who knew Jesus experienced doubt. Philip Yancey, who is um, an American author, written amazing books, says that where is where there is no longer any opportunity for doubt, there is no opportunity for faith either. If anyone has seen the Disney film Inside Out, spoiler alert, there are two main characters called Joy and Sadness. And Joy gets really irritated that Sadness is there bringing the mood down, being blue, being upset. But Joy realizes later in the film that in order to be appreciated, in order for joy to be fully felt and understood, sadness needs to be there as well. And doubt and faith coexist together. 
in our Conversations with Jesus series, as we come to a close, if you met Jesus in a coffee shop or a cafe and you sat down with him and you said, Jesus, I'm having doubts, what would he say back to us? This passage encapsulates the conversation between us and God. Thomas representing an individual who thinks, who has questions, and also Jesus, who is God, representing God. We see that in this passage, Jesus is full of compassion and grace, and he takes action to meet Thomas exactly where he is at. God wants us to know that as intelligent, thinking individuals who live in a messy, spinning world, that doubt is completely normal and not hopeless where Jesus is concerned. In my second year of uni, from four till six, I had a systematic theology lecture. And in this particular lecture, we were talking about deism, which is this belief that God created the world and then took a complete step back and just left us to get on with it. And the arguments were so compelling in that lecture that I thought to myself, hang on a second, is that what God's actually done? Have I just lived my, you know, my past 12 years of my life thinking the completely wrong thing and just wasting my time? And I got on the tube, rush hour, and I was processing it and thinking about it. And then I got home and I ate my dinner and I was thinking about it. And I was like, I think, do I believe that? I don't think I do. Well, maybe I do. And then I, at night, right, my, my, I'd say like 10 o'clock, just before bed, whoever, who else has had a midnight panic or a pre-bedtime panic? You should be going to get ready for bed, but you're too exhausted to move. All of a sudden, you think of all the things that are coming up in the week and you kind of freeze and go, oh. Um, I always have those, but I, at this point, was lying on the sofa, and my mum came in, and she said to me, what is wrong? And I explained to her what I'd gone on in the lecture, and I was grappling with this belief and unbelief of what I thought and who I thought I knew God was. And at this point, I exclaimed to my mum, I believe that God is here. I know that he's here. And at this point, Siri on my phone, which was a good two feet away from me, I don't touch my phone when I get in, went, boop, boop, yes, I'm here. And I sat straight up from my panic on the sofa, and I looked at my phone, and I looked at my mom, and I was thinking, is that God? Is that the Holy Spirit? Is he speaking to me? And then Siri, a second later, went, boop, boop, yes. And I knew it was God. I knew it was him meeting me in my doubt and my distress and saying, I'm here, I'm with you, I see you, and I haven't left you completely alone. And if I didn't have God speak to me in that moment, I really don't know where my faith would be today. Would I have this view still that God's left me and he's not with me anymore and so he's not worth any more of my time? But he met me because he knew that that's what I needed in the moment. Looking back to the passage, we can see that when we have doubt, um, I'm thinking of maybe where we have not believe somebody or we felt like we've made a bit of mistake, like we've let someone down because we've, we haven't believed in them fully. Sometimes we can feel guilt or shame because of that. But in this passage, Jesus doesn't treat Thomas in that way at all. God, full of compassion, looks at Thomas and he sees, as you see in verse 24, someone who is grieving. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, I will not believe. Imagine that. Someone you love who's been so significant in your life is now completely gone. 
you're grieving the loss of that person. Then you hear that they come back and they haven't even seen you. They've seen everybody else, but they've left you out. I'd be feeling so disappointed. But Jesus doesn't leave Thomas there. He comes back to meet him. He comes back just for Thomas to say, I remembered you and I've seen you. In Psalm 139, it says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. God sees us in the secret place. He sees us when we sit and when we um, rise. He sees us when we go out and when we come back in again. He has eyes on us all the time, whether it's at 3 a.m. in the morning and we can't get back to sleep, if it's where we're hurting because we've been disappointed or where we're wondering or grappling with something really important. And what does God do when he sees that? He comes and he meets us. In verse 26, it says, a week later, the disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Jesus doesn't shout or shame Thomas. He blesses him. Peace be with you. He gives him this peace to soothe his distress and to meet Thomas's request word for word, even if it's sarcastic or if it's exactly what Thomas needs. He says, I'm here. Come on then. Touch me. Test me. It is me. Thomas doesn't even need to touch Jesus. He just looks at him and he exclaims, my Lord, my God, it's you. Jesus's presence is enough to break through Thomas's skepticism and restore him to faith and to hope. Even more so, though the doors were locked, there is no barrier that Jesus cannot overcome. There is nothing that is too hard, too difficult for Jesus not to be able to enter and to meet us there. Even if it seems impossible, Jesus is so powerful that he's not limited and he will find a way to come and meet us exactly where we're at. This reminds me of in the Old Testament where Moses, um, Jesus, God said to Moses, go and speak to Pharaoh. And Moses said, I can't do that. What, me? No way. I've, I've got this and this. And so God says, okay. He speaks to him directly and he gives him Aaron and he gives him the staff. And then the same with Peter when he walks on water. Jesus walks on water. Jesus is there with Peter. Peter takes his eyes off of him and then he starts to sink. And Jesus reaches out and he grabs him and he stops him from drowning. God is with us all the time, intervening, stepping in where we need him and coming through. And Thomas's response, my Lord, my God, my Lord, scholars believe, is how he knew Jesus on earth. And my God is the affirmation of him being the risen Christ. Seeing Jesus and meeting him is enough for Thomas to see the risen God, to understand the power that is in him, and to grab hold of this. And this is God's encouragement for us today. On the Spear program with trainees and coaches, we say that we are high support, high challenge, because to encourage somebody and for them to know what they're doing really well is really significant, but also to challenge them and to help them grow and develop is the most loving thing to do out of service and honor for that person as well. And we can see that it says what some scholars, some scholars call the final beatitude in verse 29 is blessed. Let me find it. <laughs> Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. 
Speaking into the future, God knew exactly what our lives would look like today. He knew what our world would look like, the issues and dilemmas that we'd be facing. And he wants us to know that he sees that, he sees us, and that if we're doubting or skeptical, we're blessed when we hold on to God and cling to him. Thomas had to wait a week. I have no idea what was going on in that week or what Thomas was doing, but that's quite a long time to continue feeling maybe a bit distressed or disappointed, to keep doubting. What Jesus is saying to us there is grab hold of me. Thomas had his community, the other disciples, and he had the memory of Jesus' word and his miracles to hold on to. And we have the word in the Bible, we have each other around us, and we are not left alone. And in verses 30 to 31, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that in believing in him, you will have life in his name. This is the good news of Jesus. This is what Thomas sees standing in front of him. And this is who is in front of us and with us today. Seated at the right hand of God in heaven is Jesus. Whether we're doubting Jesus as the real son of God, our own ability, the goodness of the world, what might happen tomorrow, we have to hold on to the fact that God is with us and that he sees us and that he is exactly what we need.